Hello and welcome to episode number 277 of the Super Horror Bros podcast. I'm your host Matt and joining me as always is my brother Mike. Hello. How's it going? It's the big one. Nearly. <laughs> no, this is the big one. Is it the big one? <laughs> what about year end? This is the big one. I, I, so some would maybe say that. I think you're on your own there. Um, because, yeah, this is a fun one. Um, but yeah, we've, the, the big one is next week, obviously. Um, oh, the yeah. best of special, um, which is uh, going to be very, very fun, kind of based upon our already our deliberations that we've done. I'm very, very excited for that episode. It's been a hell of a year, um, and it's nice to finally celebrate something positive. Um, but this week, we have something else to talk about that we love. Um, a couple of things, in fact. Um, mm-hmm. Because, of course, the main topic on the agenda is our latest film in the ranking of Wes Craven. Um, and it's a movie extremely close to our hearts, but not many other people's. Um, <laughs> and that is The Hills of Eyes Part 2, um, which we will get into shortly. And after that, we will then discuss a bit of Chucky. Um, because we delayed it last week because we went so long on Resident Evil. Um, and I'm sure we won't talk about this week's movie for that long this isn't going to be a two-hour podcast don't worry about we, it. we can't delay it until next week because we've got so much to talk about so we i promise you we will talk about chucky this week because it deserves to be talked about the final really two episodes does. um but kicking things off with the news and thankfully there's only one item um which is just a nice little update really on uh, one mike flanagan um obviously the busiest man in horror as we both know mm-hmm. and so basically we've got a nice little casting announcement um for his project the fall of the house of usher which is his kind of new series based on the works of edgar Allan poe um we talked about it in the news where he was basically talking it up saying it's going to be this like really batshit violent show for the first oh, yeah. time yeah. um which sounds super interesting um i it's a little bit confusing because this isn't his next show i don't think because obviously <laughs> the the midnight club he's yeah, not gonna um, do just one show come on like. yeah well what i would what i would assume here and again this is only an assumption is that the midnight club is the next show but that is very similar to the haunting of bly manor where i don't maybe he directed one episode if that um and obviously is overseeing it whereas this isn't the level of hill house and midnight mass but basically he's directing half the episodes um so he is directing four of the eight um which is better than nothing. Um, yeah, yes. um, and yeah, like, so we got a cast announcement. It's pretty fantastic, really. I mean, it's what you would expect. There is a lot of returning names in here, um, obviously from his previous work, um, and rightly so, uh, because he kind of has this pool of actors now that is just so incredible. Um, but I do like that he's adding to it, and there's definitely a couple of names yeah. in here that I'm, like, very excited for. Um, the main one kind of on this list is, I, I don't know this actor, um, Frank Langella, um, who apparently was in Dracula, was kind of one of the first names announced. Um, next up was obviously a big returning name in Carla Gigino, um, who, of course, was basically not in midnight mass she did have a very Ooh. small cameo in the first episode a voice cameo um but other than that she obviously wasn't in it um another name that kind of again oh yeah so he was in doctor sleep of course um is carl lumbly um mm-hmm. who is fantastic um because he was is he in alias right yeah um yeah he's he's awesome um so i'm glad he's back after obviously playing a pretty cool role in doctor sleep and then mm. Definitely kind of like the biggest new name and a very much a surprise. Um, Returning to the genre is Mark Hamill. 
um, <laughs> which is fantastic because Mark Hamill is not only great, but I think really underutilized um, in general. Obviously, like you'll always be Luke Skywalker, um, but like I love seeing Mark in anything that's not Star Wars, um, as well as obviously Star Wars. Um mm. And yeah, obviously he was flirting with the genre a couple of years back when he kind of was part of the Child's Play remake. Um, so it's great to see him here. Um, other names, Henry Thomas, of course, is here. Um, Rahul Kohli returns as well. Um, Kate Siegel is here. Uh, Zach they, Gil- they, they, they were the two I was waiting for. Yes, there, there's a lot of big names here. Obviously, a lot from Midnight Mass. Um, Zach Guilford, who obviously played the lead. Um, Samantha Sloyan, who was a big standout as well. Mm. She's returning. Um, Annabeth Gish, who's from like oh. the X Files, and obviously awesome. been in a lot of his shows as well. Um, so yeah, it's a good mix. It's all the people that you'd want from his previous shows with like more, basically. Mm. And it's a very, it's yeah. a massive cast. The, like. He kind of went through it on Twitter as he announced this and was saying, like, this is their biggest ensemble cast they've ever had for a, for a project. Um, so I'm curious what that will be, whether it will be segmented or not, because, like, this is a lot of names. Um, mm. You know, so obviously Midnight Mass had a pretty big cast as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, what is it? I'm assuming you're pretty excited for this show. Pretty much. I mean, it's pretty much just, uh, I mean... Any Flanagan project is just a complete, you know, must see at this point. So, mm. so hell yeah, like this. I, I need to know nothing else apart from a release date. <laughs> yeah, hopefully next year. But I, like I say, I don't know because I'm pretty sure this other show is is closer to being released. Um, look at two in a year, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if anyone could, it's our boy Flanagan. Um, but yeah, like you say, he is one of those few names, like a handful of names, where it's like I don't care what he does if it's remotely genre and it's Mike Flanagan. Mm. I'm watching it day one. Yeah. Um, yeah. He let, let alone when he's talking about how this is super violent and visceral and everything else like you know it's it's that 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 kind of tantalized my uh my taste buds anyway yeah it was like i i really just didn't expect it like say no. we obviously loved midnight mass and for me it was very much like the the greatest of mike flanagan in a lot of ways mm. it was such a kind of theater-based show lots of long yeah. takes lots of long monologues and that is very much his style um whereas yeah what he was saying was a big departure um so yeah we we shall obviously see uh when we get to see this one um mm-hmm. but yeah that's it for the news this week shall we talk about this week's film let's do it Let's talk about a little movie called The Hills Have Eyes Part 2. So yeah, this is uh, one that I've been looking forward to talking about for a long time. Me too, man. Me too. <laughs> kind of like when we started this ranking, um, this was always one that I was excited for. Obviously, we have a lot of history with this movie, but I also feel like we are very unique, I guess, in our mm. take on this movie, in our history with this movie. I think obviously there's like so many different pieces and, and opinions and all sorts yeah. about a lot of his big movies like Scream and Nightmare on Elm Street. But I think <laughs> this is a movie that if you obviously haven't seen it, you probably don't know too much about other than, oh, they made a sequel to The Hills of Eyes. <laughs> yeah. Whereas for it's, us, it always meant so much more than that. Yeah, like, who knows where the journey begins on this one. Um, <laughs> it's, 
it's it's kind of crazy because um like you said you know we're ranking Wes Craven movies we're we're super fans of Wes Craven movies and this this movie was kind of like the movie that started that obsession for us without us really even knowing mm. I think you know because we were young uh seeing this movie and I think Very probably, young. you know then would have been aware of um Nightmare on Elm Street and like you know I, I don't really know when those puzzle pieces went together that oh this guy that's making all the shit that we like is the same guy <laughs> you know yeah, there's, um, no, there's no chance that I knew that when I first saw this movie no, like oh, no, it, yeah, no, no way but I just I don't even know when you know yeah. that, that puzzle piece would have gone together where I'm Definitely. like oh now I'm watching Scream like am I aware of it then like I, I'm not really sure but like at some point I suddenly realized that all the horror things I loved seemed to come from Wes Craven. Well, another um, weird aspect of it as well is like, I saw this movie countless times before I saw the original, like, yeah, like I, dozens I, of times. Both of us did. I mean, to the point, I mean, this is going to sound pretty dumb, but I think uh, <laughs> some horror fans might get this as well. But even though this movie was called Hills of Ice Part 2, mm. like part of me was like, well, there's so much, especially if you've seen this movie. I was like, there's so much of like the flashbacks and stuff. Yeah. Like, is there a part one? Like, is uh, or are they just telling the second part and we get to see the first part through the flashbacks? Like, that has happened before as well. Know? Like, there is precedent for that in the horror genre. Like, yeah. You know, so like, I, you know, I, I was not convinced. And I remember like when we, you know, first finally got our hands on, because I, I would imagine again, like going back to the whole minutia of Wes Craven kind of um I think this movie was widely available before part one was mm. in the UK because of his controversy around Hills of Eyes and Last House on the Left yeah so so I would imagine that like um you know that the rent the movie rental van which we'll move on to that we got it from probably was like quite pleased to have this and promoting this like look at this crazy Wes Craven movie the sequel to the band Hills of Eyes so it was almost like this is the way to see Hills of Eyes because you get to see it, you know, you get to see many bits of the Hills of Eyes, but this one isn't banned, you know. Well, there's um, certainly some truth to that because so yeah. to kind of give some background on this because it is very confusing to be like, oh, yeah, we talked about A Nightmare on Elm Street and now we're talking about this movie and having just now watched it, it seems mental to think that Wes Craven made uh, yeah. this as the follow-up yeah. to Nightmare on Elm Street. And the reality uh, is he didn't. Yeah. yeah. Um, he, he shot this in 1983. This came out in 1985. Obviously, Nightmare on Elm Street was shot and released in 1984. Um, so it very much was after the production of this movie. But obviously, they, they shot this extremely with no money, um, extremely cheaply made and just, you know, with no script, let's just make a sequel to make some money and it didn't get a proper release you know you're talking about um nightmare on elm street his last movie that made something like over 50 million dollars at the box yeah. office at the time and this didn't even it got like a very extremely limited theatrical run in the states and do you then think this was ever a complete movie in wes's mind like um i don't know because he has obviously do... disowned this movie as well that's crazy because <laughs> i do wonder if he shot a 60 minute movie and then never finished it off, moved on to nightmare 
And whoever then owned this was like, well, shit, if we just put half an hour of Hills of Eyes into this, because it's hilarious how this is mm. like 90 minutes with credits. Yeah. Like on the note. Like, <laughs> it is know, very much that rule of thumb that we've talked yeah. about before with these horror movies of this era. And yeah, like uh, I was going to go on to say that they basically did sell this direct to video. So it was like on video and also pay TV. And that was yeah. how they tried to like recuperate some of the costs. But it is difficult to find out information about this movie. On Wikipedia, it just says that the production was ceased due to lack of money. Mm. So again, that would very much back up your theory of like this was an incomplete movie that sat on the shelf for two years and then at some point an edit was thrown together that they somehow made look like a complete film and then released it because then they were like oh we have a 60 minute thing that that is done by the guy that's just put out nightmare on elm street like we can do something here we've got moments with ruby and beast barking and um, (laughs) billy we can we can do some flashbacks. We can we, we can bring him back. Out. We can put him on the cover. Like yeah, yeah. Like we've we've got some cachet here. Like it, the the movie starts with this is a Wes Craven movie. This 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 carries some weight. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting. I mean, I guess do we want to go into kind of our background on this movie, our discovery? We've told the story before, but but it feels think, right. To kind of yeah, I think it. it is a good starting point because um, yeah. anything else that we'll say after it will then need the context of that. So what? Yeah, <laughs> why don't you uh, tell us the story of how we experienced and fell in love with this movie? Yeah, well, I think I mean I think most people who are kind of in particular 80s children but kind of 80s slash 90s children remember the vhs era the movie rental going into the shop and kind of renting these movies and kind of the the magic of that you know it's been captured on movies kind of countless movies in recent history but kind of looking at all those covers and and kind of just being wowed by all these horror movies well that was us but on a very strange scale where we had a uh movie i mean this should be a horror movie in itself by the way (laughs) yeah it really should (laughs) we had a movie rental van that used to go to our village and uh you would go there and get on this giant kind of minibus basically that was just full of movies and rent your movie and each week you'd then return your rentals and rent new ones yeah, and to add to a little bit of context to that, like we we're in the UK, we live out in the country in a small village, yeah. so you know we're not, and also we're not adults, so this isn't we're not going to a a, a blockbuster as a as an adult and getting to pick whatever you want. It's a case right. of being underage um i i would consider myself a child when i first saw this and (laughs) and you were only slightly older than that and um basically yeah you know this this van comes into our small world and suddenly we have a a very small selection of movies and i guess do you know why this was one that got selected <laughs> well, i'm guessing it, it, it would be the it, cover right it would, have been, it would have been cover art yeah it would yeah. have been purely cover art i remember kind of you know i remember going on that van and being obsessed with pinhead yeah obsessed with renting that and it was the one movie that we were told no to for years <laughs> and that created an obsession I remember kind of like things like Ghoulies, just seeing the cover of that and having to see it and different things like that. And it was, you know, it was purely just trying to get away from the kids section, a quick glance at the horror section, find the the cover that jumped out the most to just grabbing it. Mm. And kind of, I think the name as well, you know, The Hills of Eyes, I think is a, you know, it's a great movie title with that cover art. It just sucked me in. Um, Yeah. 
but but yeah i guess where the the story gets even funnier for us and maybe for no one else but definitely funnier for us is that basically that week we rented this movie which most people kind of regard as hot trash but we love (laughs) um and then the the hokey video movie rental van never returned the next week (laughs) (laughs) never came back and so a we never returned hills of eyes part two and b we never got any more horror movies from that van to watch (laughs) so then we ended up just watching this rental over and over and over again on vhs um and yeah, I'm proud to say I still own that rental copy of Hills of Ice Part 2. That's um, amazing. It's a piece of history. That is a seminal piece of Super Horror Bros history, I think, right there. Mm. I think if you were to pick one relic that, that is the, the, the kind of um, foundation of the Super Horror Bros podcast, it is that VHS tape. Yeah, 100% is. And like you say, that at the time, again, it this was a different era, a completely different world that like if I wanted to watch a horror movie, mm. it was I would watch The Hills of Ice Part 2 or I wouldn't be watching a horror movie. Like <laughs> th- like those were the two options. And yeah. so, I, like you say, I ended up watching this movie. I couldn't even estimate how many times, like right. as a low ballpark figure, at least 50 times, probably yeah. more um and again just kind of like always sneakily trying to get hold of it and 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 those small moments of kind of like nudity and violence and these things that you know you shouldn't be seeing as like oh my god i can't believe i'm seeing this for the first time mm-hmm. and it was very much that that feeling that a lot of people have when they first watch horror of like oh okay there is more to like you say you've w- i've watched home alone i've watched toy story i've watched all these other movies that are appropriate for my age that i love but there's something else to this medium that i'm discovering mm. for the first time and again everyone has their own different um things that are, and again it's purely circumstantial that this just happened to be the one and like i wish i could say it was nightmare on elm street you know i wish mm. i could say it was hellraiser that i watched hundreds of times as a kid or dawn <laughs> of the dead but it wasn't it was the hills of eyes part two that's that's yeah, my was. history you know yeah, and was. so i have and i love it for it for better or worse which we'll get to when we watch the movie and certainly watching it as an adult with a 2021 lens is very different to watching it when i did as a child um but in terms of pure nostalgia i'll never have as many strong feelings as i do for one movie like i do this one like it just because like i say it, it was my history and nowadays i mean I have access at my fingertips to every movie ever made pretty much, you know, you know, within reason. And so those days of having to watch a certain movie, those are long gone for, for, you know, for better mostly. Um, but I'm still thankful for that experience. Like especially then like in the UK, like we didn't have digital platform at that point. So we had four channels, four terrestrial channels, and they very rarely showed horror movies when it wasn't Halloween. Yeah. You know, so the it you know yeah there, there was maybe a week window when there was Hall- when Halloween, you know when it was Oct- end of October that we would get to see some scary movies on TV. And other than that, it was Hills of Eyes, and then the hope that we'd get to rent something again one day elsewhere. Yeah, um, you know, and so so yeah, but I think um, yeah, obviously going into this movie, um, it's kind of like insane how you know once you've seen the hills of eyes that then this is the sequel because it kind of makes no sense really there's no setup for this that and like (laughs) there's no reason for this to be the hills of eyes sequel but it um 
but to me in my mind it makes perfect sense and um well the other thing know, is what is how many years apart these movies yeah. are because like in yeah, my head i was maybe. always like yeah. oh it was the classic oh the, the first movie was a hit so they just shout out a sequel the next mm. year and it's like these are eight years apart yeah. obviously six years from filming but like well, then you look at a long time and you're like oh yeah that's there's a lot of time has passed and like yeah really, you know um, I I was actually really confused with that opening scene watching it this week. <laughs> right. Because I was like, I could have sworn Bobby was in this movie more. Oh right, really? Yeah, but it, like it was he he's just in the opening scene. He's just in the opening scene. It's really strange. I like, mean that it, surely is a budget cut reason, right? Like because yeah. why else is he because what's the what's the outcome to his story? Basically he goes he to see a psychiatrist. Go. He just goes to see a psychiatrist and then he's like, Yeah, I'm not gonna race and then he just lets Ruby go. <laughs> like that's such an unsatisfying end to that character arc to start your sequel with that. <laughs> terribly unsatisfying. It's like let's bring um, a character back from the original. Yeah, he's he's apparently he doesn't want to go outside anymore that's, that's the end of him <laughs> it seems like he just so i was just looking because i was like surely this guy like do you know what i mean like is he really the budget restraint like <laughs> no, no disrespect but, to him but like yeah, no, but you I gotta guess, pay him something like yeah, I guess you have to pay him something but it seems like he had a spell in the early 90s of doing a load of pornos Oh, fair enough. That'll, that'll be that'll be how Wes knows him then. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say so. He was probably in uh, whatever Wes's uh, in the nineties. Firework girl or something. What yeah, um, uh, I can't remember. Did you say in the nineties? Yeah, in nineteen ninety four, he was in the Playboy video Playmate calendar. So that's like 19... a while after this and like kills. In, in nineteen ninety two, he was in Playboy erotic fantasies. Anyway. <laughs> moving on good for him yeah good for um, him go, go get your dollar like, yeah you know get i don't know i don't know when, what when, we were talking about in the when, this when, wes is, when, <laughs> when wes is gonna shortchange you and only let you be in the opening scene in the movie you go get paid mate you get yourself paid <laughs> yeah. um but yeah obviously um one of the things about this movie that stood out then and and still stands out now is our is our lead mm. um because Cass, you know, kind of being being blind in this movie, kind of um, is a is a real vocal point of this movie. You know, it's kind of pivotal scenes towards the end are based off that, but it's also mm. kind of quite bold and progressive at the time to have something like that. I think you know, and it's kind of like, is it done fantastically? No, like it, it, you know, there's a lot of jokes, there's a lot of cringy things, but but is it in a movie that's from that old and and kind of you know yeah and like he, he even then he's kind of pushing things and pushing kind of the way horror can be as well the conventions of horror mm. um, she's like so on wikipedia i don't know if it's different on imdb but she's like the only actor in this movie that doesn't have like a link to her own page right um so i don't know if, if you're on imdb whether or not she was in yeah. much but like <laughs> hill survives part two was her last movie right because what, what she, i found was in two tv movies and another movie and then hills of eyes yeah what i found interesting was like there there is a lot of bad acting in this movie <laughs> um but i wouldn't say she's one of them like right. i again it's a difficult role because nowadays you just wouldn't get this you know you would just mm. cast a blind actor whereas i think back then they didn't even think that way they were just like oh yeah you'll just pretend to be blind and that's fine and i think she does a competent job of it um in a in a in a film which again i'm not saying it's like amazing acting not by a long shot but in a movie where people can't convincingly just play a douchebag like mm. she's playing 
a blind character way more convincing than these guys well, who are just supposed to be guys. <laughs> I genuinely remember being young and like young enough to be aware that they're actors and yeah. thinking to myself, my God, she's playing that like, uh, but, but realizing that she wasn't blind either and being like, yeah. who's playing that well? Like I remember being aware of that from quite a young age, which yeah. is strange, but also like, yeah, when you actually look through the cast of the Hills of Eyes part two, Almost every single one of them in on IMDb, in, they they are known for being in Hills of Ice Part Two. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that, like I say, that is the least shocking thing about this movie. Like, but, um, it's top to the bottom, just filled with like absolute stinkers of performances. Like the, the some of the line deliveries. I mean, like I, it was weird watching so this. It was weird watching this now because I definitely got a level of like microwave massacre enjoyment from this movie where it was. But again, that's what's weird about this film to me now, kind of getting on to, I guess, overall thoughts now in a weird way is like this is a, a real mixed bag where I think this is half like really cringy laugh out loud horror um that i get enjoyment from like mm. a microwave massacre but then some of it is still very good um i think a lot of this horror sequences are well done i like all the bike action yeah. like i like all the stuff with beast in particular is fantastic in pluto um and i like the finale i think the last like 10 15 minutes is really fun um and just a real cool ending to the story but then like you say there are so many the middle part of the movie when it's like the the, the kids being dumb kids um is like the paint this place could look pretty good yeah like there's just so much bad stuff like i think foster is just like he's one of the most overt kind of comedy relief characters where he's just like oh i'm just a goddamn idiot i guess and like you know like one of his lines is something like it's not natural to be in a place without a disco yeah it's it's just all these weird and like the way he's like perving on the girl in the shower um you know like it's just it's so bizarre like there's so many weird moments that like you say are on that level of it's cringy bad 80s horror at its finest and obviously if you're for that type of audience then you'll get a lot of enjoyment from this but then that's not the whole film there is plenty of stuff in here that i think is very good as well which is weird the, the last the last half an hour i think the movie is um what you've just said there it is uh kind of a mess and kind of you know this fun journey that is this you know cheesy 80s low budget horror movie that you have to just laugh at and and enjoy and and i was but then suddenly you get to the last half an hour and wes's craft takes over because the actors all just have to die and the deaths are all very good and then then you're just left with cass who's the best actress you have this incredibly suspenseful scene when she's feeling her way around and it goes on far too long, but it's it's completely suspenseful still. And then you have a really good finale. And I think that's where Wes's craft takes over when you realize, you know, a, an auteur is is at the helm. Yeah, and, and that's for sure. what's so strange about it. Yeah, they those f- sequences do feel like they were, you know, probably some of the first ones they filmed when they had like a bit of time and a bit of money and like, <laughs> oh, I can actually map out shots, you mm. know, and actually plan things. And then clearly there's a bunch of crap in the middle when it was like slowly 
the money was dripping away where he was like, yep, just film it once, just say the line, I don't care. Do you know what I mean? Like, those sorts of things. And like, I, mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Wes wasn't even there for some of it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, I wonder when you, like, you say, back in the day, man, it was a different world, filmmaking. Like, one thing in particular that really stood out to me on this rewatch was the stunts and how, <laughs> like, back in the day, stunts were just, you're just going to do this once on camera and we hope you don't die. Yeah. Like, that's what stunts were. You, you can tell, like, even early on when the guy is running with the ladder to obviously sneak up on Cass in her bedroom mm. it's one singular shot of him running with a step ladder just chucks the ladder against the wall and then immediately vaults up the ladder like very high and i'm like man back nowadays you would never get an actor doing that like one little bit on the ladder not being footing and they're falling off and breaking yeah. an arm or a leg like there's just these small moments that you just don't see or like when he gets pulled through the flames towards the end where it's well, just like we better the, hope you don't get burnt <laughs> there's the scene when jupiter jumps through that window Oh, oh man yeah there's so many good like, bits like that the falling stunt, through the glass moment is hilarious man, like when he falls like, to get cast towards the end like he just comes out of nowhere and just wrecks himself falling through like glass like he's in don't breathe that, that scared the <laughs> shit out of me when i was younger i remember the yeah. first time like because i mean i mean what part of him was like do you know what she's blind like <laughs> by the way like I'm, I'm gonna not just stand in a corner and jump out. Uh, I'm gonna be on the roof and then I'm gonna jump through the skylight. And uh, and and you know, there's a there's a ten percent chance I don't die. And if I don't die, I'm then gonna kill her. Yeah, like, the mad. So bad. I know. There's no way he's surviving that. Like, there's just well, no way. Like, well, it, well, it does. It 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 ultimately decides the fate of the movie because if he just isn't a twat, he kills everyone. Like yeah. it, it's that singular moment of him jumping through the window that wrecks him, that gives Roy a chance to come back and everything. Like that just doesn't happen if he doesn't decide to jump for a skylight. It's yeah. incredible. It's like a moment as well, talking about like hilarious moments when you're in the thrill of, like, say, a genuinely good chase and good finale sequence, and then we get Reaper kind of going up to the flare. And him being oh, like, Reaper don't get fooled like no Papa Jewel. And then out of nowhere, Roy just goes, the Reaper sucks. Just like shouts at him. And it's like, I was dying watching this yesterday because I'd forgot like his line when he's just like, the Reaper sucks. Like, why is he? It's like this cringe. I, I don't even know how to describe he's it. Him. He's taunting him, mate. He's, and it worked. He, he was trying to get the Reaper's attention. And trying it's to get so weird. It's, it's so weird them just having this little like you say because there's hardly any talking in terms of the cannibals in general across the movies and so to get this like especially reaper who is like one of the most mute of all of them mm. for him to like get this you know get full of the papa jupe and then it roy to just like shout this like the high you know uh preschool <laughs> level like insult across the like the desert across him <laughs> like it's I love just it. I love it. It's, it is amazing. Like I say, there's these moments that of of microwave massacre level that are just yeah. brilliant. Um, I mean, it's one of these things where I'm just unable to critique it because I love <laughs> every line because I've heard every line like a million times. It's just like shortcut, shortcut, shortcut. I was literally going to say that. Like, <laughs> like uh, that is is a seminal we, we, line. We did movie this movie way too well. <laughs> like, sorry. We we know this movie way too well. Like we, we really know it better do. than anyone else. I we honestly really think do. that we could do a watch along of it. Well, we do because even Wes Craven's just like fuck it. I'm just owning this. <laughs> yeah, like, according to the error release, no one wanted like, to get involved on it. Well, well, that's that's one thing I was going to come on to. Like mm. it blows my fucking mind that Arrow 
did the arrow treatment of this movie yeah and it and it happens because of one singular reason and that's because we hounded them at one fright fest to do it <laughs> i'm telling you man like it was like it was like 15 that did happen that, that is a true story like, we just spent the weekend hounding the guy at uh, arrow like so you're done hills of eyes when are you doing part two you've got to do part two part two is the best we tried um, to get free from Hell at Fright Fest, and that didn't work. But we did yeah. get Hills of Ice Part Two on Arrow, so we I'll did, take that. We did. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm taking credit for it. There's, there's two <laughs> things that I'm going to take credit for, deservedly or not, and it's the Hills of Ice Part Two Blu-ray, and it's when Richard Brake becomes Freddy Krueger. Uh, <laughs> those, those two things are because of us. I mean, um, to be fair, Richard Brake in Free from Hell. I feel like we manifested that as well. So. Uh, ish ish but i'm 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 holding out for Fred Come on, we were talking about that for weeks before it happened on the show yeah but i'm waiting for <laughs> when freddy happens that's that's when i know we've made it yeah. um uh we better get an honorable mention in the credits for that one <laughs> um but but yeah like i think though like re-watching this movie <laughs> one moment genuinely still made me jump um, which which blows my mind after seeing this movie hundreds of times. So it's it was when Foster was then looking for Sue and Ruby jumps out at him. Yeah. And like jumps on him. I don't know why. It was just the, the whole timing of it. And I forgot that she jumped out. And I was just expecting, because I, I love the whole Sue. Susie. Yeah. Like in the background, <laughs> just like, and he's just like, what part of him at that point doesn't run? Like, yeah. He he says her name and then looks into the bushes to see whether they say it again. I'm like, you, I've only got to hear that once. I'm not well, that lie. whole that whole turn of events is so confusing because the the bus has broken down mm. and then I don't know what they. I think they're just like hold up because they're waiting for the guys to come back and yeah. then obviously he like has his shenanigans in the bus. Then he like falls out with his girlfriend over the shower incident and then for some unknown reason the bus just miraculously starts working. So then he well, uses I the bus to chase after the girl. The bus isn't broken down. The bus was incredibly low on fuel. Yeah, because so the they, fuel tank got so just Hulk, damaged. Yeah, Hulk obviously patched it up with the gum. So there's like yeah. dreads in the tank. So Right. So he just so wasted yeah. that basically yeah. just to drive yeah. after her. And then right. and then it and then it breaks down like ten seconds later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, <laughs> and then and then like say the scene with Ruby when she comes out is so weird because she just clocks him in the face. Yeah. Like they're like messing around and she's like, Oh, I'm not taking any shit and just punches him full yeah. on the square in the face. Right up punches him in the face. The <laughs> it's thing, so weird. The other thing I find weird is that, you know, the start of this movie, everyone's calling her Rachel, and then they all think she's off a rocker and that they don't believe that she's seeing these people, but then they mm. instantly snap and start calling her Ruby. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff, like, say, where you can oh, tell it just so doesn't brilliant. make sense, it's where so there's, there's so many scenes missing where yeah. you kind of just have to piece it together. Because even, like... um. I, I couldn't believe how much Pluto just comes out of nowhere in this film. Yeah. Where it's like, it's 30 minutes in and he just attacks him like in the place. Like, I think he's even in a building or maybe it's outside, but he just comes out yeah, of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, there's Pluto. Like, there's no like lead up or seeing him from a distance or hearing him or anything. It's just like, boom, Pluto's there. Cause yeah, like, there's, they... no, there's no shots because they have the shot on the mountain with the, with the light. Yeah. In a mirror. And then, and then we literally just see Pluto. Yeah. And because like, like, they, they don't even attack the, 
Like, it's not even a trap, is it, that they get hit no. by in this no, movie? It's they, literally just their own dumb... Dickheads. They're just Yeah. Dickheads. And I do I mean... love that as well. Like, they really lean into how stupid they all are because they're literally... They're saying, like, you better not break down. And they're like, oh, my God, that's the stupidest thing. Of course we're not going to break down. And I do love that as the setup mm. to, like, a sequel to The Hills of Eyes. If, like, and, again, if you're watching it with the knowledge of the first movie, you're just watching it going, all of these guys are the biggest idiots in the world and they're all yeah. going to get killed and it's going to be glorious. Yeah, we're <laughs> like, not, we've not got this ex-sheriff that... It's like meant to be a badass. We've yeah. got these absolute like idiots that are just, <laughs> you know, these petrol heads that have no idea what they're doing. And, you know, I remember when I was young, though, again, like watching this movie originally, I credited the cannibals with capturing the bus. In my yeah. mind, they'd put all those rocks on the road and, you know, the <laughs> sign, the welcome sign. And I was mm. like, oh, they, man, they their plan worked perfectly. But, like, and I genuinely thought that for years. And it's not only, so after watching the film as an adult, you're like, oh, yeah, clearly this is designed for these idiots just fall into their lap. Yeah. Um, you know, but it is just, I think, um, I think the, 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 the thing that this film is is it strongest is its kills like i think the kills in this movie i think ruby's kill sucks it's the worst kill of the movie which which really sucks like i'm almost certain she's not dead or you know she wouldn't be dead if the, if this movie was complete she would come back some way in shape or form as per roy remind me what happens um, with her because i'm all, i'm already well, struggling hulk, to forget hulk um it, there's a booby trap where hulk's body hits her and she oh, slams yeah. backwards and her head hits a rock and like oh, quite yeah. a lot of blood comes from mm. her head and and that's it and it's like you know i think there was a scene where she wakes up and is being tortured you know like Pap, um keep saying papaji uh, reaper keeps um you know he he wakes up and he's torturing her and getting his revenge for papaji um, or something like that. I feel like there's no way she's dead from that, but they just never filmed her death scene. So that that's it. Yeah. Because it just feels incomplete. And the way that like, um, because like Sue's death, the, 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 the throat um, being cut is, is really visceral. And I remember mm. like, especially like for us, like I say, this was one of our first entries into horror when we were crazy young. And like that, yeah, that would have probably been the first time I've ever seen like a, a kill like that in a film. Yeah, like, exactly. It was definitely crazy. In, in, incredibly violent, I think, you know, and kind of, um, you know, when you um, uh, when you see Foster with the axe in his head, it's kind of like, you know, yeah, maybe the kills themselves aren't all crazy, but it's just the, the sum of everything. I think Foster with the axe in his head, because I think even... Um, Oh, is it Brenda, the other girl, the one who had in the shower and that? I, think I she's don't remember Brenda. the names. <laughs> um, but, like, but, but Reaper basically just picks her up and crushes her. Mm. Um, but it's when she comes out of the freezer and she's got all the makeup on her being dead. Like, she really does look, you know, made up well, I think, and it works. Um, yeah. I thought, um, and I, it's funny as well that um, Hulk was one where, like, he was real bad at acting. Like, yeah hilariously bad i thought his by far most stellar performance in this entire movie was his death sequence i <laughs> yeah. genuinely i genuinely believed he was dying <laughs> like i think he did an incredible acting job there and i wonder if they just like saw that and was like you're hired and then they realized he couldn't act for shit for anything else but like he really <laughs> sold dying 
<laughs> yeah well that was but, such a thing back in the day wasn't it where the audition tapes of like how can you mm. scream sort of thing and you just had a really yeah. good blood curdling scream that was enough yeah. to get hired in a lot of these movies yeah. um but one, one arc that like i do think is genuinely well done and especially across the two movies is pluto and beast like i oh, think man. it's the standout of the movie yeah. and i think that listen we talked about the flashbacks and how the kind <laughs> of the filling time aspect is obviously atrocious and we'll come back to that because I want to talk about how that affects me kind of as someone who hadn't seen the original, but like we get a dog flashback in this movie, yeah. Yeah, which do. is incredible. Like that is one of the best moments in horror history. So we get a slow pan and then we go into the memory of beast who yeah. remembers his first confrontation with Pluto. And that is amazing you know another example of just what a visionary Wes Craven truly was and like genuinely all jokes aside it does lead to a great moment because kind of like Pluto is scared shitless of Beast the entire movie and I I think is it Ruby who says like Beast is here and you see the fear in Michael Berryman's face which is incredible and then how it leads to like Beast actually killing Pluto is awesome it's the best part of the movie by far and i always pop for it every single time i absolutely yeah. love it beast beast is the best dog in cinema history like the arc over these two movies like... but those moments are genuinely great as well like in terms of like acting like creature you know animal acting and especially in the 80s it's so good like he genuinely the... does all you of the stuff already well Beast, Beast does his own stunts when they pick him up from the kennel, like and he yeah. opens the gate and jumps in the the bus. Like yeah. that's, that's impressive. Like to get, that I know, I love that. Um, yeah, you know that's an impressive set piece right there that they filmed. And like you say, the the whole motorbike sequence, I think, is is really well done for the time mm. and 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 fun and just just so stupid but fun it's hilarious how these cannibals know how to ride bikes that well like i love that aspect of it with like with michael berryman with the crash helmet on just like yeah well i love that you've got a crash helmet on as well it's like yeah and i just love that like these guys are like what professional or semi-professional mm-hmm. like bike riders so like they're obviously legit and like the, the, these yeah, random they, ass they cannibals really outdo him yeah are like as good if not better than them like i just love that it's yeah, so ridiculous what i say it looks uses, great uses bobby's uh nitro fuel that he can actually catch him yeah <laughs> otherwise he wouldn't have a chance with berryman on that bike i do love as well like the fact that the nitro like the whole fuel the way it's used is like yeah. it's the setup it's for the story yeah, I mean, it's the setup for the story of why they're doing what they're doing. But then it actually comes back in a pretty interesting way in the finale in terms of, like, mm. that's how they kill the Reaper is with the fuel. Like, mm. again, it's stupid, but it does kind of work. So it, it's a lot of fun. Another thing I did jot down while watching this is there's a flaming guy again. That seems to be one of Wes's favorite yeah. things is yeah. just straight up setting people on fire. <laughs> if you if you know a good stuntman that likes to be set on fire... <laughs> you keep you keep picking up the phone this guy was clearly cheap as well and he was just like yeah i'll, I'll set myself on fire for a mcdonald's yeah i think Let's if you go. yeah if you were a guy that did that in the 80s you definitely had wes craven's number in your phone <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because he was burning for a movie after movie i mean literally or we have wes craven definitely had his number in his phone yeah um, like it's brilliant i think as well like that bit when reaper is on fire roy is an absolute piece of shit. He just, he just j- clear jumps out of the way and leaves his blind girlfriend to figure it out herself. <laughs> yeah. Like 
How much of a little bitch is he? I know. I know. I loved how good her timing was, where she like baits him. She's like, "I'll wait until he gets really close, and then step out of the way at the last second." (laughs) Her timing's exquisite, but I've never. I genuinely don't think I've ever spotted before or really acknowledged how much of a piece of shit Roy was. <laughs> yeah. I kind of, in my mind, I just thought he wasn't there, like he was still recovering somewhere else. But no, he like legit just goes, oh shit, I'm saving myself. <laughs> he jumps out of the way and leaves her to it. Yeah. Like, it's it's brilliant. Um, you know, they're... I love, they're a... I, I love the finale as well, like the, the actual ending, which is like such an upbeat, happy ending, which is yeah. something that didn't really happen mostly around this era but for like a hills of eyes movie to end with like it's her she's with her boyfriend the dog's walking alongside him and they're literally walking off into the sunset it's like such a hilariously upbeat ending for this series they had like... to after part one have part one in <laughs> yeah and and like and and obviously a lot of what happens in this movie for them to just be like no the world is brilliant here's happiness the end and the movie just ends instantly like i just loved how much of a weirdly upbeat happy ending it was and it didn't have that classic like they're walking but then it slowly pans and you see like michael berryman hobbling behind him or something like it's just no it's just happy it's just a happy ending (laughs) i know it's weird i think as well like i I remember the soundtrack of this movie loads with that kind of that theme of Hills of Eyes part two playing throughout with like the crow screeching and Mm. like this weird kind of music. And it's just like, you know, it's weird because I I don't know how to judge it in, in terms of like a horror movie soundtrack with like horror movies that have great soundtracks. But for me, like, it's a train track that I've heard for so many years and it's special to me. And it just shows mm. that like when horror clicks with you, even this, even when it's not great, it can really click on a, on a deep level. Like I think there's a, there's a lot of things about movies that I grew to appreciate because I watched this movie so many times. And, yeah. and even though critically, this isn't a great movie, I still got all of those things from it. And so it just shows that like, like you say, if we'd have been sat here watching Nightmare on Elm Street every week when we were kids, but like we weren't, but this was still, we still took away the things that you should take away from the art of filmmaking and, and Wes Craven's art of filmmaking. Yeah, definitely. And I, I really enjoyed this conversation because I think this is a fair representation of not only this movie but our thoughts on it of like Mm. it's not completely sugar-coated obviously we want to tell our history which is huge nostalgia and love for this movie but like i say for me sitting down and watching this now with a 2021 lens and kind of five years of watching horror movies every week like it is a it is a completely different experience and it's it is so much i love so much nostalgia there is a lot of stuff in here that which is just bad and i can totally see how people hate this movie like this is not a movie that makes me it was bad i'm not gonna lie like this isn't a movie where i'm like oh my god you know how is this being shit talk sort of thing because i'm like oh no i get it you you know if you didn't want 20 minutes of flashbacks and i should add to that because i mentioned it earlier like again as someone who hadn't seen the original when you're first watching this movie those are not a problem in the slightest because you get to see all the best moments of the hills of eyes (laughs) i remember thinking to myself that guy that plays pluto they must have shot that years ago and then (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah and that ruby she looks younger don't yeah, she like no wonder they put some old makeup on him and didn't get him back for the rest of the movie that's been far too difficult <laughs> yeah 
it's just it's just exquisite i think as well the whole opening sequence you touched upon it when roy kind of rocks up at cass's house with the whole ladder Mm. that whole sequence is just absolute nonsense and i love it like yeah you know him wearing the mask and like sneaking into it's it's a great opening because obviously you know we, we talk a lot about movies that um you know don't know how to open um and they just kind of either spoil something have like an egregious open opening i remember like one of the worst ones was like don't breathe wasn't Mm. it and like something like that and and like or you have the balls to be like edgar wright and just start your movie at the start of the story and just see what happens um but then this one is like it's trying to give you that suspenseful opening of like oh my god like here they are the 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 cannibals are in suburbia this movie's gonna be about that and then like and then it's just like no it's a troll and it's just a joke and it's like i think that's really great and like um like i say i am probably well i'm not on my own on this hill it's me and you on this (laughs) but but like you know maybe most people don't agree with that but i thought it was fun like it was a fun it was suspenseful until you realized that it was roy in a mask and you know and and it was cass's boyfriend in a mask one other thing the final thing that i want to add which i do love is the opening crawl like the opening crawl of the movie and having mm. kind of like the like i love that in general anyway obviously yeah. like when it was in psycho gorman earlier this year i just popped for it immediately but like having that opening text and kind of saying like this is real based on true events oh my God. and but the voiceover is so brilliant and like you say in, in terms of for us it is ingrained into my mind that yeah. opening crawl it's and the bit, it's the bit when they're like oh the the desert filled with rocks and rattlesnake and a family of cannibals that will kill yeah. everyone. Like, it's it's just, so good. Crazy. And the way the way it ends when it's like the hills still have eyes. Mm. Like it just it stays with oh. me where I'm like, oh, oh, it should have been called that. Like it's I I love the opening crawl so much. And that is another one of those things that I just have pure nostalgia for. Like any time I hear that voice, I'm like, oh yeah. I'm you the know, it just reminds me of watching it as a kid and be like, we're about to see some shit. I know, I know. And it, it does because like, you know, I don't know at what point we would have thought that this wasn't a true story because we must have <laughs> believed it was a true story like i can't ever remember that but like we must have well yeah you're, we as a kid young, you just believe anything you see we would have believed that this was a true story for a while mm. like and it's you know it still blows my mind that they put that in movies like yeah. on a regular basis <laughs> yeah um, just a straight up lie <laughs> yeah like i mean you know is there really any need like does that i guess it's been proven to elevate people's fear you mm. know fear if they think it's real a la blair witch yeah but it's just kind of you know it's it's crazy but i think like i say when re-watching this movie for the millionth time i really can't like i i i can see that like there are bad things and stuff but just none of it is bad to me like all of it just brings me so much joy and it's just so dumb it's funny that you say that because uh now it's time to rank this movie (laughs) oh good luck (laughs) uh I've kind of been dreading this because it's, I don't even know, it's by far the hardest film we've had to rank, like hands down, because of just this clusterfuck of like <laughs> what, you know, our own thoughts on this movie. And and again, not to um, sway it anyway, but I'll say what I've said on every one of these shows. We're not ranking his movies in order of brilliance. These are our <laughs> favorite Wes Craven movies. Um, so... That has to be stronger and stronger and, and now it has to be unequivocal it's like look guys 
Like, <laughs> well, it's going to be, be when, it's going to be even worse after we've added this one to the list. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, we'll just be talking about other movies, and we won't have the context of this episode to fall back <laughs> on. <laughs> yeah, we'll have a new viewer that's like hearing us talk about you know fucking scream or something and well we won't be talking about scream but you know what i mean like whatever and they're like so hills of eyes part two is wes craven's best movie so where are we where are we, where are we put scream and they're like i don't know seventh <laughs> oh this is so mad right so the list so far we have nine yeah. movies um yeah. number one a nightmare on elm street number two scream number three scream four number four the hills have eyes number five the last house on the left number six scream two number seven scream three number eight swamp thing and number nine deadly blessing oh my god i just died a little bit inside when you went through that list because i was genuinely going to start my conversation was well this is better than hills of ice part one (laughs) so was i (laughs) It's so high. <laughs> that means it's like four places above Scream Two. That just doesn't seem right. I was, I was like, right, let's just start the conversation there. We'll get, we'll knock off the couple of trash movies at the bottom, and we'll say, right, this is better than Hills of Eyes Part One. And then when you said that was fourth, I'm like, oh no. Yeah. Well, you like we said, this list can change. It's a fluid list. No, I'm, ha- I'm, I'm happy with it because. <laughs> Yeah, something about Scream 2 <laughs> feels low. And it's been the one that we've debated upon a lot, really. Um, uh, but <laughs> I, I think... Sorry, I blacked out after Hills of Eyes. What was, what was like, 5 and 6 and 7? <laughs> the Last House on the left, and then Scream 2 and Scream 3. Yeah, okay. Um, but ba- So yeah. basically, right, so let's not get silly. Um, it's not better than Nightmare on Elm Street or Scream. So... You know, it's not one or two. That's mm-hmm. a nice starting point. Um, okay, bro. It's it's obviously better than Deadly Blessing and Swamp Thing. So we've already established this at least. So... <laughs> <laughs> You're a maniac. Um, it's also clearly not better than Scream Four. I tell you what is funny, right? When we did this, <laughs> when we started this list, mm. I thought. I might have been a psycho and and I might have found myself talking myself into thinking this was better than Scream 4. Or, or, or not better than, I thought I'd like it more. You yeah. know, it's I, more of a favourite. And I think, and watching it now, it's ov- like, I'm not going to be that stupid. Like, it's obviously not. It's clearly not better, first and foremost. But in no. terms of my own favourites, like, again, <clears throat> it's obviously not as strong as this movie, but, like, my memories of seeing Scream 4 at the cinema are so strong to I me, think, and I just adore that movie. I think the thing is, as well, that this is a, this is a list that's a combination of things. It yeah. is our favourites, but it is also, you know, the best, in kind of, like, it's this mix of it. Kind of. It's more our favourites, though. It certainly is more our favourites, but I think, you know, there would be a genuine argument for this being number one, <laughs> like, as well. <laughs> Like if we no, there isn't. But I think, but I think, like when we above Nightmare on Elm Street and Scream. No, no, I just mean like the fact that we've seen this movie like ten times more than any of the others. But yeah, I know. But we said that those other two movies are maybe your favorite two films of all time. I know, I know, and but that's what I mean. But when we actually start to break it down, I think like like you say, it's it's not as good as as those two. It's really not. It's not as good as Scream Four. 
I think like um, <clears throat> like I said, you know, I look at I look at that list, and I think when we saw um, Last House on the Left and kind of Hills of Eyes, we were, you know, they they are so good. You do wonder if Scream Two has been bumped down that lift kind of too much and been nerfed too much. But like, I think Scream Three is where it should be. I agree. Um, uh, so basically, yeah. I'm I'm in agreements of you of like I I like this more than the Hills of Eyes one. I know mm. that we're probably the only two people in the world that feel that way. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's where it sits. I think it yeah. sits above Hills of Eyes one. It, it it can't break those other ones. It's already ludicrously high. But we've just <laughs> we've just spoken for over an hour about that reason why it's so high. But yeah, it, it that's where it sits for me. It sits it sits below Scream Four, but it sits above Hills of Eyes. I'm fine um, with that. Um, I just feel like Scream Two is now a problem because it's very low. Yeah, I, um, I do. I do wonder if if that should jump above Last House on the Left. Um, yeah, as, I as think I can see it. I, I think I, I agree. I think it should. I think kind of Last House. Last House is such a weird movie because, and that's why I like evolving this list over mm. time because I think when you see Last House, it's so. Um, just seared into your mind what it what you've just seen and it's kind of so so crazy and and so kind of vivid and disgusting that that you kind of you don't put it on a pedestal you definitely don't do that but you kind of can't help but have it in the forefront of your mind whereas Mm. scream 2 is way more unassuming but but it's it's a better movie like i think it's a more you know what am i going to watch on a more regular basis and what am i going to have a better time with definitely um, so yeah, I, I think it needs to sit there i'm glad it's happened as well because we've <laughs> said this from the get-go and it probably won't be the last time like i said it when no. we when we watched the first one was like this isn't a we put it in there and then it's set in stone forever and we have to live with it like every no, you, single you, week you wait guys when we get six months down the line and we revisit for the next Wes craven movie we'll be like hills of ice part two was only fourth <laughs> yeah like, exactly. nah, that's, nah that goes above scream four that's way better than scream four <laughs> that's what's gonna happen i mean i wonder if at any point we're gonna be like scream needs to to move up one um whether or not that'll ever be on the agenda but uh for now I've, I've felt comfortable with nightmare ever since it's been there for now um, I do as well, but I also the, a number two next to Scream will never feel right. But then I think that it's you could say the same thing about Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, yeah, you know, they both should be number one on any list. But yeah, I like this. Obviously, basically the bottom three haven't changed. The top two haven't changed, mm-hmm. um, or the top three, in fact, haven't changed. So yeah, the kind of the the top three, bottom three are the same. Obviously, you know, we have a new number four in the Hills of Eyes Part Two. Number oh, yeah. five is the original Hills of Eyes. Number six, going up one spot, is Scream Two, and then going down one spot is Last House on the Left at number seven. Um, so yeah, ten movies. I believe that is the halfway point. I'm feeling um, good only the halfway point it's crazy because <laughs> i think there's 20 that we that we decided upon um considering so... we banged out four of them before we even knew we were doing this like yeah <laughs> definitely like will this be done next year probably not because we generally will add maybe because we mm. actually probably not because we usually well, do we... sort of one every two months so well i mean when we're in full lockdown again we might be say... doing craven every week so let's yeah. don't get too carried away there bro that's that is true sadly like let's not jinx it obviously hopefully if if cinemas stay open we'll have plenty to watch but yeah if the uh the worst comes the worst then yeah we'll be banging these out by february and then we'll need to start on another list so <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> there's always that um good times though like yeah. I, I enjoyed that no i did like i'm glad like we've been looking forward to this for a long time and i'm glad we both had fun this was a great one and i really hope people like appreciate even if they can't see it they appreciate our history with this yeah, movie appreciate our love like yeah it, it's um it, it it came from a from a from a real good place and like mm. um you know we we still we still have uh three movies above it so that that's pretty solid like that's a surprise yeah i know like I say going into this i genuinely thought we're gonna break this completely because mm. it's gonna be top two you know <laughs> and so the fact that it's already number four who knows it might go down there's still 10 more movies it to go, uh it, it could go up as well though Last it could know, scream two it's got a reprieve it could but um considering it's under scream four that is a hell of a mountain to uh, overcome in my opinion um mm-hmm. but yeah we shall see in 2022 when we will continue <clears throat> the uh, ranking of wes craven um what have we got deadly friend next is it <sighs> yeah it's uh, there's i know the next three um i haven't seen any of the next three wes craven movies um so yeah obviously yeah next up is deadly friend um then it's serpent and the rainbow and then shocker which i know is a much bigger film i think you've seen shocker haven't you i've seen shocker yeah but i haven't seen the other two yeah so um i'm very excited like i always like going into these cold obviously my experience so far hasn't been the best like i haven't seen one of these that i hadn't seen before that i've like truly loved so i hope there's at least one of those in here obviously it's difficult because there's a reason why i've avoided certain you know some of these movies um where's craven's filmography weird though like just it's a very weird just briefly that obviously like this movie is his movie after nightmare on elm street on imdb and we've discussed Mm. why that's not correct but still you know he he comes off the back of nightmare on elm street and he's doing tv movies he's Mm. doing deadly friend he's doing kind of you know he's doing all of these different things and then he kind of goes back to nightmare on elm street with new nightmare and it's only then that he really does kind of you know vampire in brooklyn very quickly and then the scream movies and i kind of feel like it's the scream movies where where he becomes oh this is where's craven the guy that Mm. did nightmare on elm street you know and it's it's kind of kind of bizarre that it took so long uh well it's like what we've been saying this career path would never happen in a million years nowadays no because nowadays you you you're obviously back in the day was the same case but now it's even more so it's extremely you know lucky to get a movie made but Mm. then you kind of have that one shot and it's like you know if you make a hereditary in your first movie suddenly you're you know in the horror genre pretty much for life if you want to be um and obviously you you know you have to make the sixth sense you know you have to make like a huge movie um both commercially and critically um to then be considered a success whereas like yeah back in the day man like he was making you know like oh yeah this was like this underground movie that did well then he did this movie that flopped then he did this big hit then he did this like straight to video movie then he did a bunch of tv films then he tried out with a bit of comedy and other stuff like it is such a weird career path like you say and if scream hadn't come along when it did um and obviously you know like he didn't write scream obviously he's a huge part of it because he's the main you know he's the director of four movies and obviously scream would be nothing without wes craven but it's like it is wild to think in a world where 
maybe Kevin Williamson wrote Scream and maybe Wes Craven didn't direct it. Like, yeah. what what would be the, you know, what what if? We will never know that. Um, <coughs> no, thankfully, I, we will I, never I know that. Watch, yeah, I don't want to watch that episode of What If. I'll give that one a swerve. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, but yeah, that was our discussion on The Hills of Eyes Part 2. We will take a short break and we will be right back. So yeah, to end the show this week, um, we're going to be talking about some Chucky, and yeah, as are. always, full spoiler alert from the get-go, we are going to mm-hmm. be discussing episodes 7 and 8, the last two episodes, and the season overall, so do not listen unless you have already watched the incredible first season of Chucky. Um, like I mentioned last week, it's available on demand now in the UK and the US um, on Sky and Peacock in the States. So check it out. Um, and if you're not going to listen to this due to spoilers, we'll see you next week for the big one, which is very exciting. The year ender, man. But we need to talk about the little guy. <laughs> Uh, our favorite little guy in fact in horror who has been so great to us over the years and has been yeah another big part of this podcast Mm -hmm. um kind of seeing that world premiere of chucky getting to see the cast and crew in person for cult of chucky it was incredible we saw cult of chucky in 2017 and we always dreamed about a sequel to that film um and we've got it now in the form of the second half of this tv show and in my opinion, it's everything I wanted. Um, I really cannot believe how much I've loved the show. I think we talked about it early on where it was like, oh, yeah, this is cool. Like, I'm glad they're introducing these new characters. First and foremost, I like all these new characters, which is a good thing, obviously. Um, they're doing interesting things with Chucky. We're seeing, you know, scenarios that we've never seen a Chucky doll in before, which is great. But then we kind of got the reintroduction of the legacy characters. We got the... Mm continuation of this amazing canon which has been there from the original movie in 1988 all the way through to now um and it's been consistent and i think and they're still adding stuff to like the reason why charles lee ray was first you know killed um and why the police were there in the first place is wild so So, like the fact that we're getting all that extra backstory is incredible and yeah, I have absolutely adored it. I thought episode seven was probably my favorite of them all. Um, mm-hmm. I loved the finale as well. Uh, the finale was like really awesome, but there was just so much going on. And it yeah. was like, a, uh, again, this sounds harsh, but it was a little bit of a mess in terms of pacing because there was just so much going on. Whereas I think episode seven was just a beautifully crafted, amazingly well acted, so many great character moments. Um, I think the moment with like Junior killing his dad is like the standout moment of the season. Um, and it's like they've been building to it. Like we we discussed in our previous discussions how... <clears throat> the idea of Chucky wanting one of these kids to be a killer. And, you know, when I was first watching it, I was genuinely convinced that Jake was going to kill, um, uh, what's her name? I forgot now. 
um oh god it's not casey it's something like that um, um lexi lexi um i genuinely thought he was going to kill lexi and yeah. like and now that seems crazy because i'm super glad that didn't happen and i'm super mm. glad that they're kind of like friends now but like i genuinely thought that's the way it was going whereas in reality the 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 killer amongst the kids was kind of amongst you know under our noses the whole time and i didn't see it coming until you know recently and so i'm glad because i thought that character arc was super well done and it's actually making me i mean i'm definitely going to rewatch this series anyway but i already oh, I can't am. wait to see that now you yeah. know and see that from that different perspective being like no he's really the one it was never going to be jake or lexi or any of those guys but yeah i loved it the finale was still great had those great moments obviously the big reveals i think like the the tiffany doll being involved was obviously fantastic and i hope we get to see a hell of a lot more of that in season two um there was a couple of things in the finale that are like slightly disappointing so yeah i i think i think for me the like you say episode seven was the standout episode it was Mm. so strong and kind of revealing chucky's end game and kind of what that's going to be and kind of when they revealed the movie poster for kind of frankenstein and kind mm. of all of that i was like oh my god the finale is going to be banging absolutely kind of incredible and i don't really know why but i just kind of had this real hype expectation and in the end i think it was kind of it was really good and and didn't sour anything but because it was it was almost like oh, we're going to load it, but also then we want to set up some stuff and we're going to have these weird moments when kind of Andy comes back and steals the truck truck and we want kind of, we want Tiff to be doing certain things and we kind of need all our characters in a certain place to go to the next season. That it kind of felt like season one didn't get to cap off as as kind of cleanly and concisely as I wanted, but I still still had an amazing time and I think kind of, you know, going into my thoughts on the season, I think... The, you know, when we first watched those first couple episodes, I was definitely into it, but I was kind of into it in a way that, oh, this is fun. This is Chucky. You know, we get to see him do cool new things and everything else. But there was that thing in the back of my mind that like, I know that I know that they're coming like Jennifer and and Fiona, but I don't really know to what level. And are they just going to be are they going to be themselves? Are they just going to be other characters that we just get a nod to? Are they going to be brief cameos? But when we when we finally got the continuation of um, Cult of Chucky and then kind of like the way that that has continued and evolved and everything else, um, I I truly kind of put this up there with Ash vs. Evil Dead in terms of like, this is, this is really great TV that specifically speaks to me and it gives me way more content of a franchise that I really love. Um, and so... Even when it's not as you know, when it's not the height of episode seven, it's still really good, and it was must-watch TV for me. The finale was still like my second favorite episode of the season. Like it was just the first time that, like from episode five, obviously when they introduced the legacy characters, for me every single better was uh, episode was better than the last, and so it clearly was this upward trajectory to the finale. And then yeah, it was you know like for me it was slightly worse, but still awesome. And I think that it is. It was in a weird place because obviously when they filmed this, there was no guarantees about what was coming Mm. next. And so I agree with you where to me it was it didn't serve the purpose of if they're going to have a season two and it didn't serve the purpose of this is it. It kind of it had one foot in both lanes. And so there were certain things that were wrapped up really neatly, almost too neatly. And then there was other things that are just like 
what the hell is going on there? We have no clue what's next for that. Like Andy with, you know, the truck full of Chuckies with the Tiffany doll. It's like none of that is remotely resolved. And obviously that's great now because we get a season two. So like mm-hmm. we're going to get to see that and I cannot wait. But like at the time it was like, ah, oh, we were kind of building towards this army of Chucky dolls and nothing happened with that in season one, which again is only a problem right now. That's not a problem when we get season two. But then you get stuff like um, Junior who's like i kind of wanted more from that like i'm yeah. I'm, I'm a bit a bit disappointed that that seemingly is over now and he's out of it and obviously it's child's play it's chucky they can do loads of mental shit and bring characters back like they have multiple times you know yeah. unless we forget that tiffany is currently in jennifer tilly's body in this world <laughs> um so there's all sorts of fun wacky sh- stuff that they can do but w- the thing that was slightly disappointing to me was the when they were building towards like the house stuff with the explosion and then it was um andy kind of like kyle and andy going to the Mm. house and then you get the big explosion and obviously they're trying to make it seem like both andy kyle and um what's jake's boyfriend's name i forgot now devon uh, they try and make it seem like all three of them are dead yeah, you know like right like initially and it's like well obviously that's not the case so then we're like yeah. we see jake he's grieving and then immediately they reveal that obviously devon's fine which is great mm. um because like, you know devon's the only one that will remotely not walk out of that alive if any of them's gonna die yeah and the second we saw devon i'm like okay they're all fine <laughs> well that's what was weird because then it was like they reported there was casualties or whatever which who knows what that means and then it's like I did feel like that was going to be the big moment in the finale and that happens super early on. And then obviously they build towards like the cinema stuff, which is great and some other stuff, but there is then this long sequence of events. And then to the point where I'd actually forgot about the kind of explosion. And then I remembered shortly before Andy pops up, maybe the scene or two before. And I was like, hold on a minute. Well, I was like, I was like, if they've killed Andy and Kyle right now, I'm going to be genuinely pissed off because that was not serving of how great these characters are or at least how, what they mean to the overall Chucky arc. And then when Andy popped up, I was like, great, he's not dead. But there's been no mention of Kyle. And no. I'm like, I'm like, so is she just dead? Like, because that didn't seem fitting at all. <laughs> like, no. So that no, was and also, like, disappointing. You know, the thing about Chucky as well, like as a, as a franchise, is like bringing Andy back um was crazy and incredible and then kind of having kyle kind of pop up um because she's in she's in cult isn't she she pops up in cult she he kind of like calls her she's in the the post-credit sequence yeah yeah so like her kind of popping up in that and then kind of you know it does make me think like what else can they dig up from the past of chucky Mm. because it's just like that that's so cool that they've just got these characters and and you know i think it's kind of um it's some of these things, especially with some of these franchises that have got so many sequels, when um, I, I kind of have always respected Nightmare on Elm Street, where they, apart from them ignoring part two, they pretty much just, like, they continue to kill off the characters from, like, you know, the, the, the previous movies. So there's, like, a continuation of everything. You know, you've got Nancy going in three. You've got... Um, uh oh, i can't think of her the, her name now but we have kind of the survivor from well all survivors from three Kincaid and all of them dying in four alice kind of going on to five and it's like it kind of you know it works and i think you know having chucky bringing back all of these surviving characters and yeah if if that's how kyle goes that's incredibly disappointing but like i hope they do like get get taken out at some point like mm. i don't want them to be a 
a walking dead syndrome but yeah it just needs to be a fitting kind of way and it'll be like oh we've suddenly got this like 30 year character arc of this mo- of this of this character over you know one movie or one movie and a cameo and a tv show like that's really awesome so like yeah i i hope she's not gone and i hope that but but i hope one day that that we do get the fitting ending yeah well that character for me this was the time and the place like killing off a major character in the season one finale makes perfect sense and i think kyle is the one that makes the most sense to then kind of have andy have like a reason to have like Mm. a hero's death in season two but why do it off screen like Mm. i just don't get why you didn't show that in all its glory you like child's play for me always shows the kills you know and it's Mm. been consistent this season like we've talked about how amazing these kills are with like junior's mum getting pushed out of the window junior's Mm. dad getting wrecked with the chucky doll like these are visceral kills that they show and then you're and then you're not going to show a legacy character dying off screen Mm. like come on that's what we've said every kill in this show has been pretty awesome Mm. um and and like it was great at the end when we got chucky given his kind of um you know, um, creep show kind of post credits, kind of him just yeah. talking through the kills and having that little vignette of all the kills. Like it was, it, I, that really put a big smile on my face to, for, for a way to end it. Mm. I really liked that, and I wish because th- that scene when it first started and he was talking, I was like, "Oh, this is amazing! They filmed this recently, or mm. or they filmed it in case of a season two. And so this is him being like recapping it. And by the way, I'll return. And then it obviously didn't go that way. It was more of just a general like, yeah. "Well, I'll see you when I see you," sort of thing. And I do wish that would have been the one thing that had made that just that one bit sweeter of like yeah. of the excitement, obviously, of getting the season two announcement just prior to the finale. It would have been great to have Chucky break that fourth wall and be like you thought you've seen the last of me i'll see you in 2022 for season two like that would have been awesome I would have been um nice. the only other small thing which was a little bit odd to me and i don't want to hamper on it because i genuinely did love this what overall was nika mm-hmm. um her ending is interesting um it's very shocking it certainly made my yeah. jaw drop i couldn't believe what they did to her character um, mm-hmm. And so for that, it, it was effective in a finale. But in terms of a season two, I'm like, what on earth are they going to do with Nika now? And ultimately, yeah. I just I think it sucks in terms of like, I feel so sorry for this character because there's no real coming back from that unless they can find. Oh, they'll have to find Fiona Dorf, won't they? <laughs> so she can get her body and walk. Oh, my God, I've just totally ruined what happens in season yeah, two. Hopefully. <laughs> well, the problem, the problem is, is that, oh yeah, my God, like, that happens now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's it's so shocking Mm. and i i i didn't like when it first happened i had to like rewind it and be like did they really just do that to her i know i couldn't believe it because obviously not only does it is it tragic for the character nika but it also means that we can't get charles lee ray like moments Mm. with nika anymore so it takes away because like well limit it limits it massively yeah like fiona you know playing her, you know chucky is is incredible the way mm. that he portrays that and kind of you know can flick back between nika and chucky like i think is great and i think kind of you know when when she talks in that chucky voice it's it's just incredible it's really incredible it blows my mind every time i just love it yeah and and the laugh and everything and like obviously we'll still we can get that because everything i've just described you can do with no arms and legs mm. but it's just like she can't be menacing, I don't think, like, you know, into that level of, of what, what it was. And, and also, 
it was that dynamic of Nika still being trapped in a paralyzed body, but Chucky not. And mm. that now they both are. And so, yeah. like, don't get me wrong then, yeah, that does change things for what we've just seen. But I was still enjoying that dynamic of Nika being, you know, trapped both in her mind, but then in her body once her mind is free. And, like, you know, I think kind of, yeah, like I say, I struggle to see where that character goes that's going to be as kind of, you know, what I wanted, per, you know, but but hopefully they, they do deliver on it. That's my biggest worry is that, like, for me, it eliminates all hope from that character and kind of like yeah. she was the listen, we have they're all villains, like everyone that we love pretty much. Obviously, they've added a bunch of new characters, which is great that we like. But mm. like she was the one true hope in the mm. franchise. And I think that I was there was always hope that she would win. There was always hope that, like, for as much as I love Jennifer Tilly and I want to see her in absolutely everything, mm. the idea of nika at some point killing her and beating chucky you know and winning if there ever was like an overall series finale i mm. think would have been great and and i feel like obviously that's i mean i guess that probably shows a lot in terms of like going forward yeah we probably aren't gonna see much of these legacy characters like they you know they'll probably be very limited. Like, I think we kind of hoped that there would be more in season mm. two, but like my suspicion is that there will be less because we've now got, Nika we've now general. got, well, we've now got Nika much <clears throat> more limited, Kyle seemingly dead. And mm. then Andy in a very shitty situation, which I mean, <laughs> it wouldn't surprise you if he just gets killed in the opening scene in the next yeah. season. Like, so, yeah. and but then that's literally only leaves. Kind of the death doll. Yeah, exactly. So then, like, yeah, that only leaves Jennifer. And then it's like, well, she could easily, you know, something could happen to her that takes her out of the show. So, yeah, I like to say, but overall, I, I don't know what it seemed. There's been a, I think it's because I saw this like two weeks ago and I absolutely adored it. But then the small little nitpicky things have been on my mind. So it sounds like I don't like this, but like it's genuinely been one of my favorite things this year. Of I've been so excited to watch Chucky every week. And once it had that that moment where it flipped... My level of excitement has been through the roof. It has been the sequel that I've literally waited four years for and has been yeah. super satisfying. And I agree with you that, like, the gold standard of transitioning across any genre for me, from feet, from film to TV, is Ash versus Evil Dead. Mm -hmm. And how that did not lose an ounce of what made Evil Dead so special. And in a lot of ways, just it massively improved upon an already great formula. And I, you know... I hope this show can can capture that energy. And if we get three seasons of Chucky that's as good as the yeah. season one, I'll be over the moon. Yeah, me too. Me too, man. Yeah, long long may it continue. And For I sure. Cannot, I cannot wait until we just because I think like there was trepidation around this from the, mm. from the offset because obviously like you know it was great that Don was at the helm and kind of doing this, but it was also like it didn't seem like it was getting any kind of weight behind it, and I just. For the longest time, I never believed it was happening. And even mm. when it was almost like we were getting, you know, oh, it's filming and everything else. I was like, yeah, episode <laughs> one is filming. I'm like, we'll see. Like, there'll be a pilot somewhere that we might be able to get our hands on. And that will be it. Like the um, Tremors, yeah. uh, Kevin Bacon show. And then, like, and then, like, suddenly now this is a thing and it's genuinely great. Like, when we start hearing things about season two, I'll be able to get fully hyped and on board. And I can't wait. 
yeah that that was just the best news like you say there's there's no guarantees when it comes to horror and so the mm-hmm. fact that we can enjoy this we can relax and we can know that there's more to come um which is fantastic news um but yeah that is pretty much it for our last regular show of 2021 we wow. will be back next week with our best of the year special extravaganza um mm. last year was our longest show ever um so <laughs> strap in because it's always a long one where and, and you know it's gonna be awesome like i don't know how last year was our no, <laughs> longest that's, that's show literally what i was just thinking i was thinking <laughs> my god if last year was our longest year we've actually got good stuff to talk about this year yeah <laughs> Yeah, spoiler alert, 2021 turns out was a fuck ton better than last year <laughs> across the board. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be awesome to talk about and celebrate. Um, obviously, we'll do our top 10. We'll give out all of our individual awards. We'll go over the best listener picks as well. Um, and that'll be it for the holidays. And we wish everyone a great holiday. And then we'll be back in the new year, um, <laughs> kicking things off in January with uh, some pretty big movies, like right off the bat fingers crossed um fingers crossed yeah and yeah. oh yeah and in January the meantime we'll be, be seeing great. some we'll be seeing some big movies at the cinema ourselves um because we yeah by, by the time Spider-Man and yeah, so, uh, matrix movie yeah so by the time <clears throat> we uh record the best of we probably wouldn't have seen those movies but obviously mm-hmm. yeah we'll uh We'll probably we might give them a little touch upon in 2022 if we're still hyped about them. I hope yeah, we still are. We'll um, yeah. In particular, Matrix. Like I'm, I'm so excited for that. That's where we get closer to it. Um, but yeah, that was uh, an episode of Ranking Wes Craven, where we talked about The Hills of Eyes Part Two. Thanks for listening, as always, and we'll see you again very soon. See you later, everyone. I never could, how could I start now?